This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press. On this episode, Maria is joined by a special panel to discuss the intersection of children's literature and diversity and inclusivity as a theme and as a means of shedding light on the topic of identity. This audio comes from a virtual conference originally recorded on June 18th. Now, here's your host. Hello, hello. Um, Hello, hello. Hello from everywhere. (laughs) Um, It's so great to see your faces as well. My name is Maria Desmondi, and I am thrilled to be bringing this panel to you today. I am here in the Metro Detroit area, and I'm a children's publisher. Um, My job is really dedicated to um, providing quality children's literature to families and educators and caregivers so that they can have some way to connect with their children, to connect with the children that they're teaching, and to be able to share happiness, sadness, all the range of feelings um, with children in a picture book. So I actually um, produced one of the books that you're gonna hear about today. So I've introduced myself and I'm gonna go ahead and have everyone introduce themselves. But the purpose of what we're doing here today, we have found that when we talk about, you know, right now it's June and it's um, Pride Month. And we found that when we're talking about um, LGBTQ, oftentimes parents shy away from these conversations. One, because it's uncomfortable for the parent or the caregiver or the educator, and two, because of a lack of knowledge themselves. And so I really wanted to put together a panel that would bring information to this community of people who admire and love books and to really be able to educate you so that you can do your children justice and teach your children so that we can have more empathy and kindness in the world. Boy, have we seen over the last year how much we need this in our world. And so how do we teach our children these things? I do want to say I tried very hard for months to really get full representation in our panel. And um, I don't think I did. The, I, I don't think I really got full rep- representation for the LGBTQ community. But I want you to know that from the bottom of my heart, I really did try. And um, some of our authors had previous engagements. Some of them are in different time zones and they just couldn't make it um, happen. But um, without further ado, Let's begin with Hannah Carmona, who um, wrote a book that's published by my company, Cardinal Rule Press, Dazzling Travis. Now, Hannah didn't intend to write this book for the LGBTQ community, but it has been embraced and wildly loved by the community because it's about a boy who is true to himself. So Hannah, why don't we go ahead and start with you? You can introduce yourself. Let's begin. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Hannah, and like Maria said, my book is Dazzling Travis. I guess a little bit about myself, I live in Tennessee, and um, I, I wanted to write this book just because of my experience, you know, living in Tennessee, and uh, the stigma that can come with Southerners, and, you know, acceptance, and that kind of stuff, um, and so this book, um, I drew a little bit from my own story, a little bit from um, a student that I worked with. Um, and so together we were able to bring that story to share. Thank you. Thank you so much. And how about Audria? We'll go right along the line. Hi, uh, I'm Audria Carlson. 
my book doesn't have any physical copies yet, but here is the very fancy version I printed off at my kid's school. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's called My Sister Daisy. Um, I live in the greater Boston area with my kids. And oh, the book is illustrated by Linus Perchie, who's really cool. And it's coming out with Capstone in September. Uh, I have lots of stories to tell, but Daisy is my first published picture book. And I think part of the reason that it's gotten there is because it is a story of authenticity and love and acceptance. And I think it's so needed. Uh, it somewhat mirrors our own experience with my daughter when she transitioned, but it's also not the same, but it filled a niche that we wanted where even in a totally accepting community, even in a totally accepting family, there's still questions, you know, when somebody changes anything about themselves, other kids in the family especially have questions. And so this is the older brother's story. Um, but I hope that the message of acceptance in there is strong and, you know, goes beyond the bounds of LGBTQ communities as well as within it. Andrea, I love you. that you're bringing the experience not only as a writer, but as a parent. And I think that's really mm -hmm. important. Um, for that authenticity. And so if there are parents in the community who have questions, we will be opening the chat up in a little while um, for questions and answers. Rob, you are next on my screen. Hello, hello. Hey, everybody. I'm Rob Sanders. I'm coming to you from Brandon, Florida, which is outside of Tampa. I'm a recently retired public school teacher, having taught mostly in fourth grade, but lots of other things too. Um, I write funny and fierce fiction and nonfiction picture books, and I'm considered as one of the pioneers of LGBTQ plus nonfiction picture books. As a member of the queer community, I'm happy to be bringing books like that, but I write fiction too. Um, I started writing nonfiction with Pride, the story of Harvey Milk and the Rainbow Flag, Peaceful Fights for Equal Rights, uh, Stonewall, Building an Uprising of Revolution, but other books like Ball and Balloon and Bling Blaine, Throw Glitter Not Shade, which came out last year. And my newest book is Two Grooms on a Cake, the story of America's first gay wedding, uh, which is a wonderful true story about two guys who are still married today. And we'll hopefully have time to talk a little bit about that book a little bit later. That's awesome. I love the display in the background too. I think that's really tough now. <laughs> I do. I do. Awesome. Who do we have next? Gareth. Gareth, how are you? Hello. Sorry. I'm just having a cup of tea because I'm from England, if you didn't get from the accent. <laughs> so it's actually evening for me. It's um, 10 past six at night. So um, good afternoon, evening, everybody, and happy Pride Month. Thank you for letting me come across the sea to talk to you all today. I'm, I'm really excited because I've also written a book. And <laughs> um, so in the UK, it's called My Daddies, and it's about a little girl who has two daddies. But in America, it's called Adventures with My Daddies. Um, the interesting thing, I think both versions are, uh, are available in America as well. Um, and I think Amazon stock both. So there is sometimes a bit of confusion. And a couple of people have actually bought both hopefully they enjoy both because they are a little bit different um this one's got moms in it and this one's got mums in it but i um i'm a, a children's author and this is actually my my first book and um i'm an adoptive dad so a lot of the inspiration came from my personal uh, journeys as well and you probably can hear my children um 
banging around upstairs as my partner is getting them ready for bed. So I apologize for that, <laughs> but it's all good. And thank you again. Absolutely, absolutely. And next we have, and we welcome all kitty cats, dogs, hum little humans in the background. I mean, we are welcoming them all. Ian and Sarah Hoffman, hello. You are last up in our introductions. Good morning, hi everybody, I'm Ian. Hi, I'm Sarah Hoffman. Maria, thank you so much for having us. This is an awesome panel. We are delighted to be with all of you today. Um, we are married, we live in San Francisco. We have two kids and three chickens and a cat and two rabbits and lots and lots of composting worms. Um, 30,000 bees. <laughs> oh, right, we also have bees. So we've been working together for 25 years on lots of different stuff. And um, part of that has been writing books, probably the most fun part. So, um, so our first book was um, Jacob's New Dress that came out in 2014, yep. 2013 from Albert Whitman. And, and like um, Audria and Gareth, we, our, our story was inspired by our kid. It's not our actual story, um, but it's inspired by what we went through raising a little boy who wanted to wear a dress and also the stories of other parents who uh, we met along the way. And I'll add that Jacob's New Dress is on the American Library Association's list of the 100 most banned and challenged books of the decade. Just last week, we got banned in another state, which was it was Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. People get super riled up about it. Um, and then- Wow, I did not know that, wow. Yeah, um, and they have no idea that there's nothing better for book sales than a good banning. So um, <clears throat> our second book, and we'll, we'll talk about our inspiration for writing these later, but our second book, was Jacob's Room to Choose, which is about kids using the bathroom that they're comfortable using. And our third book, which just came out a month ago, is called Jacob's School Play. Sorry, we're backwards, so when I move left, it goes right and vice versa. Right. Um, Jacob's School Play starring he, she, and they, which is about pronouns. Fantastic, thank you, thank you. And so we have everyone tuning in from different places in the world, this is wonderful. Um, the next part of our panel that I really wanted to dive into is when we talk about um, the LGBTQ community, there are certain, um, I guess, definitions that you know really a lot of parents, uh, like we said, shy away from conversations because they themselves don't quite understand. So when I had the idea to put this panel together, um, I talked to some parents in my community and the biggest thing for them was they are wondering if we could speak on pronouns and the use of non-binary, which is really seeing more and more out in um, social media. Um, you know, on Instagram, you see tags with, you know, labels on it. And so I'm wondering if someone can really speak to some of these um, definitions and talk a little bit more on, you know, why we're seeing it more now. And um, yeah, who is feeling like they would like to begin? I think we're happy to talk about pronouns since yeah. our latest Great. book is about pronouns. Great. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and about non-binary identities. Mm -hmm. So uh, people are seeing this sort of tremendous change in the world right now about how people identify and the range of options about that people have. You know, there's a certain freedom and looseness that didn't exist. I mean, if you turn on your television set, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race didn't exist 15 years ago. You know, all these <clears throat> characters that people see and can relate to um, didn't exist 15 years ago. They existed in real life, they just didn't exist in, in the media. And so pronouns are this like 
this thing that people can, as they're struggling with these concepts of like, what does it mean? Who are these people? What are they? Pronouns are something that they can sort of hang themselves, their attention to and say, okay, if I can master this part of it, I can sort of get a handle on what's going on in the other parts of it. Because people naturally want to divide people up into categories. You know, when you're little kids and you bring your kid to the playground and they eat sand, right? And you scoop it out of their mouths. You're like, this is sand. It does not go in your mouth. And then you bring them later and you hand them, hand them a banana. You're like, this is a banana. This does go in your mouth. And little kids are like, okay, there are things that go in my mouth and things that don't go in my mouth. Like that's totally fine, right? And that continues on throughout our entire lives. We come up against something new and we're like, where do I put it? Is it something that goes in my mouth? Is it something that doesn't go in my mouth? You know, or whatever the category is. And so pronouns are part of that as, as people are experiencing people's gender expression and identities in, in new and positive and outweighs. And you know, the language keeps evolving. We, when we first entered this conversation, when our son was about three, we joined this listserv of parents all around the world, mostly in America, but there were a number from other parts of the world. And um, we all had kids who didn't conform to gender norms in some way or another. And the term that was being used was gender variant. And it was all we had. And so we all used it and shortened it to GV. And variant sounds like deviant and GV sounds like an STD. I mean, it was terrible, but it was what we had, right? And so um, we were relieved when gender non-conforming became more of the term, although it still sounds sort of weirdly clinical. Um, and then, you know, there've been doctors and writer, medical practitioners of all kinds and writers who've come up with a range of terms like Diane Aronsaft, who's a therapist from our part of the world who works at the UCSF gender clinic. And she came up with a whole list of things, um, one of them being gender expansive, which is kind of lovely. And um, sometimes these terms are all being used to describe, you know, the same children, but they have slightly different meanings. But you know, as writers, we just really believe that words matter and that um, what we as caregivers need to do is embrace um, the changes in our child, in our, in the language, in the, you know, in our communities around us, just to support these kids the best way we can and to be flexible about the boxes that we use and um, are in and let them get a little bigger sometimes. I think that's exactly what we're here for, to, to let those boxes get bigger. And I think oftentimes as a parent of three children myself, I think we were, were raised in a certain way. So the change kind of feels uncomfortable for us. I'll give an example. My middle schooler came home and she was super excited to tell us about a lesson in school. And she's talking a mile a minute about her teacher and how much fun this lesson was. And my husband and I, we're like, what, 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 what? Because she wasn't calling him Mr. And she, it wasn't Miss, it was Mix McClure. And we mix, mix, but we were confused and we didn't understand, but it didn't matter to her. It didn't matter. And she said, oh, well, he doesn't identify with Mr. or Mrs. So he's Mix. And we're like, okay, but that wasn't even anything to her. It was the lesson. So I think oftentimes parents, like we're, you know, we're stopping her like, wait, we don't understand. Tell us more. And she's like, it's not a big deal. He is who he is. And he's my favorite teacher. So, um, and then I was reading a book to my children the other night. And um, in my head, I kept thinking, they, oh, pronoun, because it was an individual as a librarian and um, they were using the pronoun they instead of he. And I, I didn't say anything to my children. They didn't pick up on it. It's just what we're doing. And it's, 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 
expanding that box. So I love how you said that, um, just making it a little bit bigger and wider. Um, Hannah, Dazzling Travis, um, you know, when we talk about gender stereotypes, Dazzling Travis, you know, oftentimes teachers could use that book with Jacob's new dress and, um, or Jacob's dress, and they could really compare and contrast them because of that stereotype. So tell us a little bit about Travis and how he is different than, you know, what we would say, the average boy. Uh, yeah, so in my book, uh, Travis just really, he embraces all of him. And I think it kind of goes back to like what you were saying, where it's not an issue to him to like dresses and to play with dolls and also simultaneously like, you know, other things that are more, you know, boy, I, I, I hate using that term, I but know. you know, I know. hopefully you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, but to him, it's not a big deal, you know, until other kids bring it up. And that's what I've experienced in my life too, that a lot of times for children, and even for adults, you know, we're just being ourselves. We're just expressing and liking what we like. Um, and it's never a big deal until somebody comes in and brings it up and kind of makes it an issue. Um, and so in the book, I try to model of, you know, how you might handle a situation like that of like, yeah, it stings, it hurts, it's not right. Um, but that doesn't mean that you back down from being you, right? Um, yeah. And that's what, I, yeah, that's what I'm hoping it, it reaches out to kids and even adults, right? Because we're, we're growing and we're fluid, you know, and so um, we just have to be patient, I think, also in teaching others, just like we had to, in a way, teach ourselves and break out of stereotypes we were raised with, you know, we all had something that we were raised with, you know, for me, it was, you know, girls act like this, you know, and do this, and, you know, as I got older, I was like, you know, that's not exactly right. And, you know, you have that conversation and, you know, even my parents now, they're like, you know, you're right. You know, cause they see how I'm raising my kids differently with, you know, they don't attach to, you know, this is a boy thing. This is a girl thing. And that's what I was trying to do with this book as well with Travis. You know, he doesn't say this is a boy thing. This is a girl thing. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing I like. You know? It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. And I think as parents, we can really help our children by not saying this is a girl thing. This is a boy thing. Because then do they feel like they, you're putting it into those categories like Ian was saying. And well, if I'm a boy and I want to play with that doll, can I? You know, it's just confusing them even more because it's something they like. Um, Rob, you said that you were in education. Do you remember the book called William's Doll from years and years ago? Yeah. I, I read that book to my class all the time when I was in education. And it was about a little boy who played with a doll. And the dad was like, no, here's a basketball. No, here's this. And the mom said, let him play with his doll because he's learning to become a wonderful father. And I was like, yes, isn't that the truth? So Rob, let's turn it over to you. Let's talk a little bit more about your um, book because you said we dive deeper into it. So tell us a little bit more because it's, is it um, fiction, nonfiction? Tell us a little bit more. It's nonfiction, but it uses a story structure that's non-typical for nonfiction. Uh, when I was researching my first nonfiction book, Pride, the story of Harvey Milk and the Rainbow Flag, I discovered many parts of LGBTQ plus history that I didn't know. You know, uh, as a 62-year-old gay man, I was not taught queer history, you know, um, and it wasn't covered in the news when I was growing up. So how would I know these stories or other people in my community know these stories um, so I found this story about these two guys, Michael McConnell and Jack Baker, 
who back in 1971 found that in Minnesota law, there was no, nothing that said that a marriage was between male and female, but was between two citizens of the state who resided in a county. And Jack being a law student saw, ah, we, that means we can get married, which they'd had that as their goal since they'd met. And took a couple of tries to get a marriage certificate, but they finally did get a marriage certificate issued. They had it witnessed, the ceremony performed, and they filed their certificate. Now it was never filed by the county with the state, well, not until 2018, oh. but it still was a legal marriage because the state and the county never um, appealed their marriage. So through this circumstances and through their ingenuity, they were able to be married in 1971. So I wanted to tell this story because it's an important part of our history, an unknown part of our history, and it's part of American history too. And it's a story of perseverance and overcoming obstacles that are in your path to your goals, which we can all relate to. Um, and I found, wanted to find a way to tell it. And that's what makes the story a little bit unusual. I knew that kids probably weren't gonna be interested in legal battles and marriage certificates. I mean, who really cares when you're <laughs> a kid? But I thought back to what interested me most about weddings when I was a kid and maybe even today, and that was the wedding cake. Um, and so I told parallel stories told from the perspective of the cake toppers themselves, uh, who the parallel stories are about how a cake is made and how a relationship is formed and how those two things are alike. And the story then takes place and takes us all the way from the beginning of the two grooms meeting uh, all the way to today, 50 years later, when they're still married and the cake toppers still exist in their, ar in their archives there in Minnesota. So two grooms on a cake, the story of America's first gay wedding. Wonderful. I'm, I'm a huge fan of historical fiction, and I've, I recently read a book called Evelyn Hugo um, and her seven husbands, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Fantastic historical fiction novel, and it's set from the 1920s and 30s, and it's about a woman who, well, I don't want to spoil all of it, but she never loves her husbands because she loves a woman her entire life. And I think that, um, so if you are, you know, an adult in this and you say, gosh, I really want to explore, you know, the historical side of LGBTQ+, I just picked that up from you, Rob, to add that plus, um, that community, I would suggest, you know, if you're into historical fiction, check out that book. Um, there's a lot of books right now out there um, that are fantastic for the adults as well. Um, Audria, I would like to hear from you a little bit more about your story um, and how could an educator or a parent use your story to start a conversation with their children about transgender? Is the, is the term transgender used in your story? Give us a little bit more background. Uh, so yes, transgender is used in my story. Um, it's not defined in the story, but the older brother says that he learns the word transgender um, after his sister transitions. Um, and I think there's a fair amount of that sort of thing. There's a lot of jumping off points. And I think there's a lot of different ways the book could be used. I think that one of the things that we most 
that was really interesting when my daughter transitioned is that we had an older son who already and still to this day has a gender expression that's all over the board, but he's not transgender. And at that point we had Jacob's new dress in our library. We had tried the you know, story of Harvey. We had all of these books and these people are amazing and they made my parenting journey so much easier. But it meant that when my daughter transitioned, we ran into questions like the one the older brother asks here, which is, you know, I, I knew you wore dresses sometimes, but I thought it was because they were fun to twirl in because they did. My kids already did wear dresses. And so I think that that combination of like what is gender versus gender expression versus, you know, sexual identity, which comes in later, like there's all or sexual orientation, you know, as an identity, which comes in later, are all things that need discussion. And even kids that have bases in these things that have been exposed to excellent children's literature um, and been raised in communities that accept people and kids of all, you know, all over the gender galaxy and all over the uh, spectrum um, still have questions because there's so many nuances. There's so many ways to be who you are. And I think that, you know, the real message I was trying to get to with Daisy is that it's cool. That's fine. Be who you are, share it with the people you love. They you know, will hopefully accept you for it. And then you can change it again. One of my major stresses in putting Daisy out in the world is, well, what if my daughter, as she approaches, you know, teenagehood is a kid who ends up more non-binary or is a kid that, you know, discovers a different path for herself in life. You know, what am I putting her up against? Is this going to pressure her? And I realized now over the two years of the publication journey, because it takes forever, is that's actually not a concern because the book is not about a kid transitioning once. It's about accepting a child for who they are as they evolve and as they change in their, you know, in their journey towards adulthood and beyond. So I think that for educators using it, I'm hoping that some of that nuance, some of those discussions around what is, you know, this whole thing (laughs) kind of can come from there. And Audrey, is that how you would define fluid? Because I know that word is also, that definition is being used a lot in our, um, in, in especially my daughter's middle school journey. Is that how you would describe it? Like who you are today, who you are now, like it can change and it can always be different. I think it can always be different. I think there are kids who are genuinely gender fluid. And, you know, I have a friend with a child who gets up in the morning and they ask at breakfast, which pronouns are we using today? because it changes. The child is five. They don't know yet where they want to be. They just know that they are not what they were assigned. And it you know, is an evolving journey and they're figuring out. I think that fluidity in gender over the spectrum of, a, over the path of a lifetime could be, you know, more, you know, could be like that. But I, in my understanding of it, gender fluid when it applies to a child or to a person is more uh, day by day or week by week, as opposed to what I see with my child, which is she transitioned and she is a girl and she has not wavered in that in three years. And we have no reason to expect she will, but if she does, we're here for it, you know, <laughs> bring oh, it on because she's our kid. For, that's so. one, thank you for sharing that. And I actually, I like to take notes and so many of you have said things that I'm like, oh my goodness, um, evolving. I think that word really says a lot uh, when you connected it to fluidity, like the evolving, that it's an evolution. Um, let's go on over to our buddy on the other side of the pond, Gareth. <laughs> tell us a little bit, <laughs> tell us a little bit more um, about Adventures with my daddies was was or was your inspiration from your own experiences or were they from experiences growing up or just a story that you made up? Tell us a little bit more. 
Um, interestingly, it's a kind of uh, amalgamation of all of those. But I, I just wanted to go back to the, the pronouns um, pronouns discussion that we're having earlier. That um, and on what you were saying about your child at school being, you know, loving, you know, this teacher for being a teacher, and it didn't matter what or who they were. I, I I've said a few times now that if you see the world through the eyes of a child you see it as a tolerant, accepting, loving and wonderful place. We as adults forget that because we're the ones who have put the titles and the barriers and the blocks on things. But from a child's point of view, it's fresh and new. And writing children's books, I try and get inside the mind of a child to let it be exciting and new and not let me be my own barrier. So when I, um, when I started this, I, I thought back to when I was 14 so 14-year-old me grew up gay and knew he wanted to always be a parent. But within the UK in the 80s and 90s, we had um, a political movement called Section 28, which stopped, and I'm going to do it in inverted commas, the promotion of homosexuality within schools. Promotion, I just think, is just the, totally the wrong word at all. It's what they stopped was allowing children to understand it was okay to be different. It was okay to be, you know, within a rainbow family. It was okay to love who you wanted to. This damaged a lot of children, mental health. And growing up, I thought I was wrong and I would never be a dad. So roll on 20 years. I'm so happy to say I've adopted twice. I'm a dad and it's the most amazing and best thing I've ever done in the world. <laughs> I love it every day. Yay. Um, but the, the book kind of came about because although there are some great, you know, dad's books and same sex books out there, I, I didn't find as many as as there should be that kind of spoke to me and our family. I, I wanted one that was uh, full of adventure that actually didn't make a point about it, although it says adventures with my dad is in the title. That's that's kind of about it. it, it it's, it's told from the perspective of the little girl um, and it's clear she loves her dads. It's clear she loves going on adventures because of the stories. And then the book uh, takes a little bit of a twist where actually the family's favorite story is their adoption story. And to me, it, I got a little bit teary when that I felt was the connection that was missing from children's books. And it, it kind of, all fell into place and it's it's a declaration of love um, and um, wonderful parenting as seen through the eyes of the child and within the UK um, I'm not 100% sure about uh, America but within the UK it's it's got a unique element the fact that it's one of the first books that's written and illustrated by same-sex parents. So he, Gary Parsons, the amazing illustrator, has added his perspective of being a same-sex adopter parent into it as well. And, and it's just got this authentic voice, which I'm so touched when people send me messages of, of how much they like it. And these are all kinds of families, not just LD, LGBTQ plus families. It, it's beautiful, beautiful. 
So Gareth, you gave me the chills at the beginning of your conversation. You brought me to tears at the end of your conversation. Thank you. Um, wow. And you know, talking about seeing the world through the eyes of the children, um, if, if our world was run by children, I think it'd be a better place. I really do. And um, if you think about it, remember when you were a child and you couldn't wait to wake up in the morning, you did not want to go to bed at night. And then there, you, you somewhere along the way, you become jaded as an adult and you wake up in the morning, you're like, I can barely get out of bed and you can't wait to go to bed. It's just so- Let me show you this page from the end of the book. That is how I feel most days. <laughs> And that's what we're talking about. That is what we're talking about. So thank you for being able to bring that from a child's perspective. Um, ladies and gentlemen in our audience, I'm going to open up the chat now for question and answer as we wrap up the last 10 minutes of our group. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and open it up if you have Q&A for any of our authors. Um, does Ian and Sarah, your new book is now out. Um, if there's anything else you would like to share about your new book. So would you call your Jacob book a series? Is there another one in the works? Tell us a little bit about that while we wait for Q&A. Yes, an accidental series. <laughs> <laughs> and there is another one in the works. Um, and um, I actually want to say something about education um, because some of the things you said, Maria, about your kids' mixed teacher and some of the things Gareth just said <clears throat> really resonated for us and I think apply to everybody on this panel on this kind of work. Um, and it's just about the simplicity of education, like how little work it actually takes to teach a, a, a culture of kindness. So when our kid, Sam, was in kindergarten, um, he had this teacher, Ms. Reeves, who's actually in our first and second book as Ms. Reeves. She's a real person. Um, and she did these really simple lessons for the kids about um, accepting our kids. So um, she would say, well, is pink a girl color or a boy color? And the kids would share their opinions. And then she'd say, well, are there girl colors and boy colors? And they're like, Oh, and one day she pulled up a picture. So she had this long auburn hair with magenta streaks. And she pulled up this picture of a kid with um, short hair. And she said, is this a boy or a girl? And all the kids are like, that's a boy. And, and she said, well, actually that that's me when I was your age. And sometimes boys have, or sometimes girls have short hair, just like sometimes boys have long hair. So anyway, she, she really helped the kids accept Sam in the, with these really simple lessons. But what we didn't realize is that she was running a science experiment without realizing it because the kindergarten class next door wasn't getting these lessons and they kept teasing our son. And we're like, that's all it takes? Just like a few comments about, you know, hair and clothes and, you know, and, and, and I think the same applies to our, our new book and pronouns illustrated by what you said. If you tell a kid, I go by mixed instead of Mr. or Mrs. or et cetera, they're like, okay. I mean, it's like, it's shocking how easy it can be to make this kind of change. We overthink it as it's, adults. Yeah, we overthink it. We make it's it interesting that publishing needs to catch up a little bit. I, I don't know if it's the same uh, within your country, but over here, uh, this type of book may not have got uh, released by a big national um, publisher as, as it did in the UK. And interestingly, in the bottom of, of their emails, they put their pronouns, he, him, uh, she, her, wh whatever they want to. But some of my other publishers haven't quite done that yet. So it's interesting. It's coming in slowly. 
it's yeah. good to see the change as it yeah. happens. Yep. Absolutely. We have a question from our audience. Um, question to all. So whoever feels comfortable answering this. Most parents and teachers who pick up your books have an interest in LGBTQ plus culture and issues. How do you get your books into the hands of parents, teachers, caregivers who are not as open? It's a great question. Well, for one thing, we have to rely on others because obviously as authors, we can't do that ourselves all the time, but librarians are the best friend to children's authors as our booksellers who um, make books available when people are saying they're looking for something, they refer them to books. And just having a book on a shelf opens the opportunity for a kid to pick up that book. And so another thing teachers can do, um, I found very quickly that when other teachers knew that I was a person who knew some books to recommend, when they had a student who was dealing with gender or uh, they had two dads and I don't have any books about two dads, then you can become that resource. So open it up and be the person who can share with other people when they're looking for something, open the conversations and then be that librarian or that bookseller who recommends books to other people. That's one thing. I would like to add also as a publisher, um, we donate books four times a year, every quarter, we donate books to different organizations. And I think that, um, you know, our books are all modern day diversity books um, with timeless messages. So we give the books to people. <laughs> That's how we get them into the hands of the people that we think need them. We, we give them to them. Um, so I think that's another way is um, getting organizations who support the community to, you know, purchase in bulk and donate books to schools and donate books to communities um, so that they have those resources. Um, there is another the social media presence as well, I think is really important. Um, I don't really use TikTok, um, but Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I've spammed lots of groups and I've used loads of hashtags, especially during Pride Month. And that seems to pick up a bit of traction, but it's, it's always word of mouth. As soon as someone likes that book and they talk about it, that's 100% like gold, a review that money can't buy. So always word of mouth. Um, I am looking at our comments and we also have someone tuning in from India. So that is awesome. Thank you so much to my buddy over there who's writing books. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Um, I have another comment. This one's for Rob. Um, someone, Connie, just took a look at your website and she says it's terrific. As a writer teacher herself, um, she will be using it. She wants to know if you're still teaching while writing. And I think you might have said you were retired, but you are teaching writing, correct? I took early retirement in December, um, and so I could because I'm way too young to retire, and um, so that I could um, spend more time writing. And I'm busier now than I've ever been in my entire life. And I do I teach writing um, mostly to other writers, adults who want to write through other organizations like the Writing Barn and Highlights Foundation and other places like that, and coach and teach other adult writers too. Fantastic. Um, one of my last uh, uh, topics that I wanted to put on the agenda was any type of advice to really help 
parents and teachers to normalize differences. And um, the other night, my children and I were sitting down and um, on the couch getting cozy, and my parents gifted us Disney Plus as um, you know as a holiday gift. And on Disney Plus, there is a whole section of um, Pride Month suggestions. We watched some amazing shorts, what they call them. So they're less than 20 minutes long. They were fantastic. So I think that's another way to help normalize differences is the media that your children are consuming, whether it's books, music, um, any type of screen. Um, you know, if you want your children to be a kind and caring individual, you have to be careful. What is the media that they're consuming? Um, so I wanted to have this as a last um piece of advice if anyone would like to share. And then we're gonna go around as we finish and we're just going to say what's next for everyone. So does anyone else have any advice for normalizing differences? I would I would say that at least for me, my community, my family, um, books are huge. <laughs> All the picture books, making sure that we have a variety. I am obsessed with going through our shelves and making sure it's not all white boys mm -hmm. on the shelf, yeah. all cis, pet, white boys on the shelf. Um, and so I think being really cognizant of what you actually have in your home versus what you're just bringing home from the library, I think reflects a lot of the values you hold. Also, this is not my book or anyone's here, but I just found this book and I loved it. And it's like 300 words. And I think we spent over 45 minutes because I rushed the kids through it, just looking at the pages and talking about it. And it was great. And I think any kind of representation like that, that gives leads to conversation is huge. And the one last thing I'll add is asking the questions I want them to ask. So, you know, when they look at the character in the book and they say, is it a boy or a girl? It's like, well, how do you know? What do you ask someone? You know, like if you meet someone, do you know if they're a boy and a girl? You know, you ask, what are your pronouns, right? That's, you know, and then modeling that behavior, discussing it, play acting it so that they have that acceptance built in and it's not something they have to figure out or feel awkward about later on. That's wonderful advice. And when we talk about diversity, we're not just talking about, um, you know, gender, we're talking, and then we're not just talking about race, but like you said, the book was called Bodies Are Cool. We're talking about our bodies. It's really cool. About, um, you know, one of the things we do as a publisher is we make sure that all of our books that are read in American Sign Language so that we reach different abilities um, in the community. So, you know, when we are sharing this as a panel, remember that diversity is so much more than gender um, and it goes above and beyond. So that's wonderful advice. Thank you so much for that. Um, let's go ahead. about questioning. Go ahead, oh, sorry. questioning. Yeah, no, go uh, ahead. So if, if my lad, it, it, it's mostly my, my eldest lad, bearing in mind he's, he's grown up in a very open and inclusive um, world with us. If he comes back from school and he says, oh, this is girly. I don't know why I'm doing the voice. He's only seven. Um, you know, this is girly or, you know, that's a girl's call or something like that. I, I question, why do you think that? What, how have you, you built up that opinion? And then if it's, you know, a slightly negative comment about a person, I'll then mirror it back to him and say, how would you feel if someone said that to you? What, what would you say to them? And that seems to work to help, in, you know, grow their little minds anyway for us. I love that. That's that's fantastic. Um, so as we wrap up, I really appreciate all of you for being advocates for the community and just really being able to be brave and put children's literature out there that is important and needed. So thank you um, so much. But let's hear what's next. So let's begin a real quick, like, what's next for you? So it's Hannah, you're not in my screen anymore, but Hannah, I know you just had a book come out. Um, are you still there, Hannah? I'm 
still here. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, it's weird. I don't see you, but go ahead. Tell us what's next. Uh, what's next for me? I just had a book come out called Anita and the Dragons, um, which is based off of my mother's immigration story. Oh my gosh, you have it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, and recently I have found the love for TikTok after um, talking about it for years and how I'd never go on there, but I'm on there. So I have a lot of fun on there if you want to join me. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I'm going to find you on TikTok. I'll have to ask my kids to help me because I don't really get the, the TikTok. Um, Ian and Sarah, what's next? I know you said that you have another book, but tell us, tell us what's next. We do have another book. So we were talking with Adria offline about how um, one of my problems with our first book is that there's conflict in it. I didn't want there to be conflict. I, I just wanted there to be a little boy in a dress and you know the topic was um, being a superhero or what you know. Um, but it was written some time ago and we felt like we had to reflect our context. And so I think the conflict has kind of reduced from book to book. There's more conflict in the second book. Um, this one doesn't, the new one, Jacob School Play doesn't have conflict so much is just confusion on the part of Jacob about a kid who's non-binary because that's not in the language that he understands and the concepts he understands. So our fourth book um, that we're working with uh, our publisher on is um, is not at all about gender. We'll have Jacob and his friend Sophie wearing their um, non-typical clothes for their gender. Look, I'm even stumbling over the language, um, <laughs> but we're going to talk about holidays and um, and the uh, different holidays and how what is different about them and where we can kind of come together and find um, our common ground. Fantastic. Gareth, what's next for you? Oh, very exciting. Um, I've got a couple more books out this year um, and I've got three out next year. So it, it's really, really cool. But the, the next book, uh, which is coming out in August is called Forever Star. And it's probably the one that's closest to me because it still makes me cry mm -hmm. and um so my daddy's was meant to come out last year but because of covid it got moved and so i've got this book is about two dads and they go on an adoption journey but um they ask the questions we can't adopt we're two men that's wrong isn't it and i thought you know what i'm going to chuck that question in there and i'm going to let the book answer the question and show how normal and loving it really is. Very different from this book, and it makes me cry. Honestly, I've got goosebumps. Just I've seen the beautiful pictures recently. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And three books in 2022. So I want you all to know, Cardinal World Press is your champion. So when you have new books coming out, be sure to let us know, and we will shout it from the mountaintops because we are your new champion. We're your, your new best friend. Um, Rob, tell us you are so busy. So I know you're, but what's next? I guess, what are you doing tonight? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm teaching tonight. tonight. <laughs> uh, but uh, I have another book coming out this fall, a couple next year and a couple the next. But this, um, this fall, Stitch by Stitch, another nonfiction book, Stitch by Stitch, Cleve Jones and the AIDS Memorial Quilt. And Cleve would have been involved in that project. And it's really, really a wonderful, wonderful book. Thank you. Awesome. And we put together um, on bookshop.org, we put together an entire um, list of all of these books. And for one of my team members listening, let's make sure these new books, if they're available online, um, if they're in bookshop, add them to our cart so that people can see that. And Audrea, what's next for you? Uh, well, Daisy comes out September. That's, you know, the big thing for me right now is counting down to that. Um, 
like Gareth, my own book still makes me like choke up each time I read it. So I figure it's the right story for me. Um, I have some other picture books I'm working on. Hopefully they'll go out soon. And uh, a couple middle grade novels I've been playing around with in various genres that have been pretty fun. So I don't know for sure yet in terms of publication, but hopefully, hopefully you'll hear from me at some point in the future. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being part of our panel today and being a representative for a powerful, loving community. And I just appreciate all of you. And I appreciate those of our viewers and those who are watching the replay. Happy Friday, everyone. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I appreciate you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for letting me come here. Absolutely. <laughs> Good night. Bye, everyone. Cardinal Rule Press offers a variety of support to authors, booksellers, librarians, and families. Find out more at cardinalrulepress.com.